Welcome to On the Job with Porak, your go-to place for public safety and officer rights, giving you the news you need to know and discussing the issues that matter. Hi, and welcome to another episode of On the Job with Porak. I'm Brian Marvel, president of Porak. With me is Porak Vice President Damon Kurtz. Today, we're hosting another virtual podcast using Zoom with guests Yasha Nikitin of Huntington Beach POA, retired workers' compensation judge Steve Seamers, and John Ferrone of Adams, Ferrone, and Ferrone Law Firm to discuss Huntington Beach POA's new IDR process. Back in March, if you were reading the Porax magazine, we had a feature article written by John in our Porax Law Enforcement News provided an inside look at what peace officers face when entering the industrial disability process and how Huntington Beach POA has been approaching this. Uh, I want to welcome everybody to the show. I guess uh, we'll start with Yasha. And why don't we talk a little bit about how did you get to where you are and what inspired you to do this? A few years ago, we started having problems with uh, some of our injured workers with not only the time uh, lapse in care, but how long it was taking. And they were starting to run out of 4850 time. They were going on to long-term disability and it was becoming a burden on, on them. And not only them, but their families, they were losing their life savings, trying to fight these, these battles. And we were trying to figure out what was going on. And through a process that, um, you know, we helped with uh, John Ferrone to author it and our you know, partners on city council, political consultants, we really brought everyone into the team on this one to try to get it solved. And ultimately, we're able to carve out a side letter agreement to cut through some of the issues that we were having. But I mean, it was it was truly it was a terrible, terrible thing to experience. And then not being obviously a workers comp attorney or judge or having experience in that as a smaller POA that isn't even full release, trying to learn and work through these issues and see essentially our employees were getting starved out by a specific law firm and an attorney that came in and they were just literally bleeding our members out. And like I said, they were burning through their life savings. You had uh, 30 year employees that absolutely loved this department and uh, went out disgruntled. And it was just really a terrible process. And um, we're very thankful to, to bring a whole team together. And then now working with PORAC to bring it on a, on a statewide or regional basis to get the news out to see. And, and I'm sure we're not the only AG, agency dealing with it. We're hearing some other agencies in Orange County. So we're trying to get the word out and partner with you guys and others try to solve this for for our members that are going through tough times and, and really the most vulnerable they're, they're hurt they're sick they, they can't really fight for themselves and they need help and you know, that's bread and butter association stuff so very passionate about this topic and appreciate the time yeah it's uh you know i can appreciate what, what you guys have been going through I, I had similar issues in fresno workers comp is probably one of the most misunderstood things by our members um, we focus on other things that seem to get more of the news, you know, legal defense related issues. And, but, you know, the workers comp, uh, so many more of our members are affected by that than they are with legal issues typically. And uh, not understanding that your retirement and your workers comp situations are usually completely separate. And you may get to the point where you're uh, permanently disabled or permanently permanent stationary and you can't go back to work, but the retirement's not ready to take you as a retiree and you end up in that limbo place where it sounds like you're talking about and it's bad for the members. And you're right, they end up spending a lot of their own money trying to get through that process. Well, let's go to John and ask John, what, what was the impetus for you to, to try to work with Huntington Beach? And how did you uh, develop this program that's currently in place? 
Um, yeah, thanks, Brian. Well, I go back to a circular that PERS issued back in March of 2017. And in that circular letter, they sent it to all public safety agencies throughout the state, basically advising these agencies that they want a, a set of elements shown as a member approaches an, an industrial disability retirement. And PERS did a number of audits of cities that felt that they were not complying with this process. And so I think what happened is a number of law firms that defend cities took that circular and created a narrative that, say, that basically allowed them to litigate these files. So as a member and exited workers' comp, they then faced another gauntlet of litigation and uncertainty. And, and so in Bakersfield, about four years ago, they were audited and they had a process that was not tightened. And we sat down and I showed them that really PERS is after four simple questions. And if you can answer that, even with your existing IME, AME, your doctors in the workers' comp, you not only save money because you have a comprehensive report saying that, B, the member doesn't have to then go through it in Office of Administrative Hearings, you know, an appeal hearing and litigate that file. And so Bakersfield tried that approach. We didn't create a side letter, but we just created a process Four years later, three to four years later, the system works great. We use the existing independent medical evaluators from an ADR system. We ask four questions, members retired. So in Huntington, the problem is this, there's a couple law firms out there that were essentially creating a narrative for the city. They were saying, well, despite your IME that says they're disabled, city, you can use a different doctor for the purposes of the industrial disability retirement finding. And a lot of cities believe that because they're separate systems, separate forums, you can do that. And in fact, this is where they take advantage of the injured worker. So in Huntington, they were referring to this doctor, I will rename him nameless, uh, but at any rate, he was a hired gun and he kept marginalizing either job duties or marginalizing the scale of their disability and then not certifying them for a disability retirement. Now, the dynamic of that is the member exhausts their time or files a service pending, and then they are in limbo. And, it, and if the city rejects the disability retirement, the member has to appeal a hearing, okay, Office of Hearings and Appeal. That's, that administrative hearing is different than workers' comp because the reason is administrative hearsay does not apply. You cannot submit a medical report like you can in workers' comp. So the member is essentially hired has to hire their doctor to verify the authenticity of this medical report. The cost of that is between five dollars and $10,000. And I think the law of economics, the cities know this. They know if they hire this hired gun, they, you, they are, they're going to pay that doctor to come down. But meanwhile, the member will not have that money. And uh, we went through number, a number of hearings in HB, and it was ridiculous. We won. But ultimately, I think we met up with Yasha. I said, this has to go. We have probably, I think there was about over 15 people pending, and we created this process, and within two months, a dozen people were retired instead of litigation for a year where they were headed. So the, the, the impetus was uh, complex in its evolution that you kept capturing these files that were, you know, workers' comp would say disabled. Interactive meeting, they say that they were disabled. They, they all of a sudden hit industrial disability retirement land oh, wait a minute, they're now not disabled. And so therein lies the anomaly of utilizing a system that allowed you to shop for a medical, come back in and create a different narrative and basically issue the hammer on your member. And so that was really the change is like, don't allow the city to utilize additional examiners, number one. Two, in the event they use a medical report, that medical report is admissible, just like a worker's comp proceeding. 
It's not economically fair for the injured worker to pay up to 10 grand for this doctor to appear live. And that's the reality of the Office of Hearings and Appeals, that you have to have a live testimony. And I think that dynamic with this side letter proved to be a massive shift in the way we now approach these cases. So just like with Judge Seamers and myself have innovated with workers' comp, you then can extend that innovation one more step. Utilize those same evaluators for the IDR process. Get the cities to stipulate that they will rely on written evidence so no experts have to show up and really create a a four-question supplemental report, which is so cost-effective to the cities that it will not create this thousands and thousands of dollars of cost. And so that's really the the approach we took with uh, HB. Thank you, John. Let's uh, let's bring the judge in, Judge Seemers. I mean, you have a very unique perspective in a sense that you are now sitting on both sides or have been on both sides. And, um, you know, based on your experiences and knowledge on the workers' comp process, I mean, is this a avenue that you see maybe taking off throughout the state of California to facilitate and make these more streamlined? Well, I think so. It always remains to be seen. You know, I was an applicant's attorney for 14 years before I became a judge and before I became the chief judge. And then it's been about 16 years now that I've been working in carve outs. So that's kind of my background. Currently, I'm involved in programs with police in Fresno, Richmond, San Francisco, Oakland, Los Angeles, and Hanford. They're all a little different. Um, LA and Hanford are, there's not a lot of similarities because the volume of injuries is so different. We, we have a, a program with an ombudsperson or what we call in some programs a member advocate who contacts every injured officer and attempts to work with them to make sure they're getting what they need and she's available to them and gets involved in all the little stuff all the way through the claim to try to keep it moving because we're looking for speed and we're looking uh, to try to create a culture where the injured officers get what they need the easy way without a fight, without litigation, so they can get better and back to work and you can close the case faster. So it's it's in the interest of the employee and the employer to ac- try to accomplish that. And that's a concept though, that in the workers' comp field is anathema to your normal approach to comp where you have to fight everything. It's actually, you can save money by paying money on the front end of the case and getting it resolved and getting it closed. So your loss development over the 10, 15 years that some of these cases can go on doesn't occur. So you've paid the money at the front and you've ended the case. So we try to change the culture. A lot of this has to do with the employer's capability and you know, ability to understand and embrace that concept. When they do, it really works beautifully. And the member has access to somebody that they talk to confidentially, paid by the employer, but the the ombudsperson is selected by labor and management. And that person answers to labor and management. So um, the employer fronts the costs, all the costs of the program. So in Los Angeles, I think we've had almost 8,000 injuries since we started in May of 2018. We've had one arbitration and we've had, I think, seven mediations. So even in a place like that, that is so thick with bureaucracy and so difficult to get people to think differently. You know, we've been able to accomplish quite a bit, I think. Oakland's brand new, just last January, it started. 
San Francisco. We've not last July, but the July before. Been a lot of joint labor management committee meetings. In in San Francisco, we meet with the police and fire together. And um, there's been a lot of discussion about the COVID, the, the pandemic, exposure, what to do, all the different kinds of pay that you can get. And so the, the member advocate knows how to direct people to get what they need to get through their, their problem. But every program is different. And some cities are a little more resistant to the concept and the programs don't always work as well as I'd like them to. But, you know, you work and you try to make the best of what you've got. You know, so far, even in the programs that are more difficult, people are hanging in. I think like in your program, John, I, I think that the union's at the table the association's at the table with the employer on the issue of workers' comp. And I think that is huge for the associations because otherwise, how are you going to really engage? And now we have meetings every other month or every month to sit and talk about, you know, the details of what's not working right. I think that's, a, you know, one of the points that I think is important here is you have, you know, obviously the, the work comp programs and the help these injured workers get through that process, which in and of itself is a challenge. A lot of our officers get, you know, like, like Yasha put, they get, they get put through the ringer in the program. They, they go through their 4850 and they go through their, their TDY money. And suddenly people think that there's always going to be money there for them. The city's going to take care of them. That's not always the case. They run out of time. But the other problem is, is now you're going through the IDR process. And although you may get your workers claim eventually accepted, you may get through all that process. And then you have this other set of bureaucratic hurdles to go through in the ADR process. And that was something that, you know, when I was president, that I really was pushing hard and we had a private system where we weren't CalPERS, but same thing. It was this, this lengthy process for our officers to get their medical retirements. And, you know, they ended up on their disability uh, claims for through poor act disability. And what happens when you use your disability a lot, right? Your, your rates go up, just like an LBF, you know, it's all about usage and it's unnecessary. You know, we have presumptives and all this, and everybody thinks that that's going to be making an easy process, but you know, we all know that that's not the case. And what happened there in, in Huntington Beach and other cities that you guys have been working on is, is super important. I think it's changing the game on the IDR process that marries it to the, the workers' comp process. I was just going to add that the, the strategy that the employers are using, just so that your membership knows, is that they're enticing the members over 50 to file a service pending. That is, oh, you can now draw on your retirement. Oh, don't worry. We'll get to it. Oh, you're fine. Hey, Yasha, don't worry. It's okay. Damon, it's all right. You can draw on it. It's okay. And then once you file that irrevocable election with PERS, there's no unwinding that clock. You're done. You're, that member is gone. Now they can come back in and create the narrative with a new medical evaluator that can then come back and say, oh, they don't really go prone. Their disability is marginal, and I'm going to deny it, forcing them to the hearing. And so what we've had to do to pivot around that approach is advise the client base not to do a service pending, and you're going to have to then do a straight IDR. And for members under 50, that's obvious. They can't do a service pending. But for the membership that's over 50, the problem is you now are exposed to burning through everything. And this has happened in every city that we're seeing. And, and, and the memorandums we're getting are just unbelievable from Burbank to Orange to Long Beach, no longer in Huntington. But you're seeing this narrative played out over and over where the members over you know, 50 can file service pending 
and we advise them, do not do that. You do that, you're going to see this doctor come in and it'll, it'll hurt you. And so they file regular ID industrial disability retirement application and they then are frozen out there in time. We just went through a case in Orange and I'm not kidding you, the IP meeting from the workers comp, right? Workers comp, disabled. We go to an IP meeting with their HR manager. No one disputes the permanent work restrictions of this firefighter who had a fusion, cannot lift. Yet they basically said, no, we're not going to grant that IDR. We're going to go to another doctor. And right then, it was like they told them, file service pending. And I told them, remember, you do that. This is what's going to happen. And, uh, you know, we had to fight. Ultimately, we got the doc, the city to change it from this occupational doctor to an ortho. Finally, he gets it granted seven months after that IP meeting. Seven months. He wasted. It was ridiculous. And that's really the approach that every city on earth that really needs to, it doesn't apply to the counties, but the cities, this has to stop. This is a waste of money and resources to go out and hire an expert. And in in the case of like LA PPL or Richmond or in Huntington Beach or Long Beach, you have established doctors agreed to rates. Why aren't you using them for that purpose? Don't come to us and say, oh, we don't have any money now. COVID negotiations. Hey, Damon, Fresno's got to take a 3% pay cut. It's like, no, no, no. You can't do that. You manage the the house the way you want it managed. And that means being fiscally responsible. And that's how Yasha, I think, really brought this, uh, the iron to them and said, this process is outrageous. The cost was astronomical, what they were paying. And that's what really forced this change. But that's what's coming to your members out there. When they're told, file service pending, Damon, that's a red flag. Run, run to the hills. Don't do it. Thanks, John. I'm going to have Yasha close it out. So based on your new program, I guess two questions. How long have you had the program in Huntington Beach? And then what are you seeing now amongst your membership in regards to IDRs? So like uh, John said, we probably had, I don't know, nine to 12. John does fire too. So it's police and fire. We had probably 12 people stuck in the loop. And within, I'm going to say two months, they're, they're all out. They're all retired, IDR, they're out of the system. And so for, for the members that are listening out there or the association representatives, presidents that are lis- listening out there, uh, this is coming to a city near you. Uh, you need to prepare, you need to engage, uh, especially with PEPRA coming. I don't know how people are gonna be out on the streets working until they're 57 on a regular basis. I mean, that's gonna be brutal. And I think you're gonna see injuries increase. I think you absolutely have to engage. I think you have to deal with this topic to make sure that your, your members aren't starving out on 4850 LTD, you know, two thirds pay, whatever it is, you're not accruing PERS time, you're burning all of your, your savings. And so this process has really shifted in town and it's only been through that, that engagement. And, and really, I mean, it's insane to think we're gonna keep an officer who's the most expensive employee in that entity and we're gonna let him stay off for a year or two years while we litigate their case to death I mean, the costs are astronomical. So not only is this a win for the members, it's a huge win for the, the, the city or counties that are doing this in cost savings because we're the most expensive employees. And I think, like the judge said, to treat us more like athletes, pay a little bit up front, let's get the care, let's get them fixed, let's get them back to working, or let's get them retired if they're broken so we can fill that seat again and put someone out 10-8. Damon, did you have anything? No, I, I think uh, Yasha covered it pretty well. I think for the presidents out there, I think you absolutely need to be engaged in the workers' comp front. I think that's one thing that we see over and over in our membership is when it's a workers' comp issue, they go, oh, I'll go talk to the attorney. 
And often they don't even know that their officers are going through this process, that they've been out and are financially destitute until a lot of times it's too late. And the only way you can do that is being engaged. And that's what uh, Yash is doing. And we, I just encourage all the presidents, whatever they decide to do, be engaged in the workers' comp because every bit as political as your contract is. Well, thank you, Damon. Um, I also want to thank all of our guests today for joining us on our latest episode of On the Job with Porak. We hope you enjoyed it. Uh, we'd love to hear your ideas for upcoming episodes. Join us on all our social media platforms and be sure to tag us with your suggestions. Go to porak.org to learn more about California's largest law enforcement organization, representing over 77,000 public safety members. Make sure to check out and share our monthly podcasts and past episodes on porac.org, iTunes, Spotify, iHeartRadio, YouTube, or wherever available. Lastly, we'd like to say thank you again to all of our guests that we had on the show. And if you weren't aware, uh, John Farone is also one of our LDF panel attorneys. I continually espouse the great attorneys that we have in the state of California, and uh, he's definitely part of it, and I appreciate it. Appreciate the uh, Judge Seamers for being on and giving his perspective. I agree with Damon. I think this is an important issue. I think we need to have more conversations around it. And I want to thank Yasha for actually uh, writing the article for us and start to create this dialogue that we definitely need in this area. Because the IDR is a uh, it's a complicated issue and it's actually sort of scary if, if you've never gone through it. But it's definitely something we need to work on. So I want to say uh, thank you again to our members. I want to say thank you to our members for listening to the show. Be safe and have a great day. That's it for this episode. Make sure you tune in next time as we discuss the issues that matter. 